Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. England had pace to burn at Southampton. Joffre Archer and Mark Wood each touching 95 miles an hour as they took three wickets apiece to bowl out West Indies for 213. The reply was a cakewalk for the hosts. Joe Root scoring his 16th ODI 100 and moving to the top of the tournament's run scoring charts. England winning by eight wickets with 101 balls to spare. The victory potentially came at a cost though. Jason Roy and Owen Morgan both suffering injuries in the field which prevented them from batting. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Joining me here at the Sunkissed Oval is, of course, Phil Walker. Yeah, me again. Hello. And alongside us, longtime friend of the show, but making his first appearance at the World Cup, is Dan Norcross of Test Match Special. How have you been, Dan? Oh, Joe, I've been mostly uh, soaked to the skin, but I, I saw the two washouts in Bristol. Oh, I, I think I'm one of the very few people to have witnessed both washouts. It Seen history. I've seen history. There were two washouts in the entirety of the previous 40 years of World Cup history. <laughs> I saw two in five days in the same location. Oh, something to tell the grandkids, but <laughs> relieved to be back home at the Oval then. Always relieved. I love it here. It's just beautiful, isn't it? I mean, you've got this, this like, evening, it's looking particularly lovely. Yeah, you've got Simpsons-esque clouds against a light blue background. We've got a decent forecast for the matches to come the next yeah. next day or two so you know all is good we're on the up we're on the up um as is tradition we'll start with our moments of the day um i'm going to start with you dan what was your you had a few i believe what was well, your I don't, well i'm going to conflate four moments into one which were uh both occasions on which england looked like they'd lost at a really crucial player owen morgan and jason roy mm. both going down was terrifying and it happened at much the same time as Chris Gale was dropped at third man and uh, Dre Russ, I don't like saying that. Don't say uh, it. Right, yeah. Can I take that back? Andre Russell was dropped by Wokes at deep mid-wicket. Those, those four moments uh, I spent thinking, well, that's it. The World Cup's over for England. <laughs> um, they're not even going to get out of this game. Who the hell's going to bat at three? Uh, it, that was, that's, so that's one moment. One moment of massive pessimism when the world's number one team can just be destroyed by a hamstring or a tight back. Or a dropped catch. Mm. And my second moment is Joss Butler, 
He's just been made captain because Owen Morgan's limped off the field. I mean, did he, was it really a limp? Apparently he, sort of he couldn't make shuffled. it up the stairs, Phil was saying, which no. looked pretty bad at the time. Back we'll, spasm, we think. Don't yeah. We? I mean, they are dreadful if you get a back spasm. Phil, you know a thing or two about back spasms, don't you? Yeah, they're awful, but they're, they're terrible but sometimes just briefly terrible. Uh, more of a concern is, is what's happened to Roy's hamstring, which mm. has been a problem for the last mm. two months anyway. He sat out some of the Sur- Surrey's games earlier in the year and he pulled up chasing a ball out to a deep point. Uh, and in a big game as it was today, if you're not on the pitch, then it's serious, you know, because he would have been opening the batting, obviously. So it's clearly a concern. Um, I would say at this stage, you're more concerned about Roy's hamstring than you, than you are about Owen's. Owen's yeah, well, back. Roy, he couldn't bat until number seven because he'd taken so much time off the pitch. So he could have potentially come out and bat. Obviously, England didn't need to get down that low or yeah, anywhere that, near, that, 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 near that low. You, you know, they'll be saying just a precautionary thing, but a hamstring. Mm hamstring with a problem an ongoing problem and the way he, his expression as he walked off the field he looked like a man who thought his world cup was over and obviously we, we very much hope that's that's not the case but it didn't it didn't look great it didn't look great but you know he's had a back spasm before and sometimes those things are linked yeah but you're back in your hamstring so it could be something to do with that furthermore i mean we'll come on to this later but the the way the tournament is arranged England's next two games are against afghanistan and sri lanka by beating the West Indies, they probably need to get and one more win, you would think, against the big three the big of Australia, three, yeah. New Zealand and India before the semi-finals take place in three weeks' time. Now, if he feels a tightness in a hamstring or a little tweak of it, then that can be two weeks, it can be three weeks, sure. he's back in it. If it's a serious tear, then obviously he's out. And, you know, he could even potentially be out of Ashes contention if it's if he's got a real proper tear but he did walk off and when you've when you really rip that hamstring you don't tend to walk off yeah but but just to finish my point on my on my moment it was it was it was joss because by him becoming captain and now we're starting to think maybe it was a good idea after all that owen morgan was banned for a game because he got a little got got to keep his hand in didn't he against pakistan before the world cup happened um his first action as as captain was to take a rising, lifting, vicious snorter from Joffrey Archer, um, hear a tiny little noise, and then he he left it about there was about two or three seconds, wasn't there, Phil? When he he's going, can I do this? I've I've just on field captain. Oh, actually, I'm on field captain. Sod it. <laughs> Made the T sign was proved right, and it's crucial moment because it was Nicholas Poran, and he still had people he could have batted with. If the West Indies got to two sixty, two seventy that might have affected the way England approached that run chase because 212, they could kind of handle the loss of two batsmen. Sure. If you need 260, 270, then effectively you start potentially naught for two, wokes in at three. Mm. I mean, th- then it would have been scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Butler might have a little bit more captaincy to do in this in this tournament, possibly. I mean, if Morgan has got any issue at all there, you'd think having a rest against Afghanistan is is no bad move. Um, Phil, your your moment of the day? My specific moment is is Mark Woods um, searing in Ducker against Shea uh, Hope, mm. uh, which cannoned into the the inside of his front pad was was hitting middle and leg was bizarrely given not out an atrocious bit of umpiring I might I might say atrocious in inverted commas will come to Mikey um, in due course no doubt uh, it just t- typified how well they bowled as a unit really I thought they were excellent today. They didn't burgle any wickets. They they got them out. They got them out in a, in a proper way, in a, in a in an authentic 
test cricket-esque kind of way. You know, they they bounced out poor Anne, who's obviously a class class young player. Evan Lewis missed a straight one from Wokes that swung in late. Gail never really looked at the races. They bounced him out with a deep square and, and, a, and a long leg. They they did it. Same for Russell. Same for Russell as well. Yeah, exactly. All right. They got lucky with uh, Holder, you know, when Root came on and, and they did get nicked the couple out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But, but his, his delivery to, to Hetmeyer was nice. You know, I mean, you don't get much praise as an off spinner when you just take a court and bold. But Hetmeyer was playing quite nicely and it just dropped on, on him a little bit, a little bit of loop there and... And hey. he took the court and bowled. It was impressive, I think, from start to finish. Root, Root, Root. I, and I thought it was really interesting captaincy there as well because um, Morgan didn't just put Root on. I thought he was going to get him on and try and burgle a couple of overs. No, he was it was an looking, attacking move, wasn't it? It really was. And then we saw that Root, we think of as this part-time spinner, he has been doing stuff behind the scenes, hasn't he? Because he's got the leggy that we saw quite a bit of against Pakistan. Mm. Then he bowled these knuckle balls one of which got rid of Holder. Mm-hmm. He's got the one that swings, and now he's got this, you know, faintly turning off break. For a part-timer, he's got some beautiful variations. It's a bit like Sachin, early yeah. Sachin yeah. used to kind of mix exactly. these out, didn't he? Yeah, it's a very, it's very, very effective. It also has potentially quite significant ramifications on England's lineup as well, because they've had the... Moen and Rashid have been absolute consistent picks throughout the last couple of years, three, four years, as they've become the best side in the world. And then we saw that Moen got rested uh, or rotated at Cardiff I think the expectation certainly my expectation was Moen would come back in today um, that obviously didn't play out and then with Root bowling as well as he did do we now think that maybe the, the two spinners the two specialist spinners um, kind of mo- mo- model has been passed over and now we're looking at one with the seamers and, and Root as I, a backup I, th- I, I think it'll depend on the surface and the and the ground dimensions actually because uh, what's noticeable is it's Cardiff and and the Hampshire Bowl as we have to call it <laughs> the, yeah, I feel like get rid of my dripping misery and annoyance at that any <laughs> better. Um, they're both they're both really wide and they've got short straight boundaries. And so uh, the England management, I think, are a bit reticent about off spinners and and spinners generally in that on on those ground dimensions where you've got longer straighter boundaries and shorter square boundaries. I think the spinners come back in because obviously a spinner is going to largely bowl a fuller length that makes him more vulnerable to being pumped down over his head. Also, it means that you can bowl your seamers with wide dimensions because, as we saw today, it's really hard to hit them out of the ground. It, it might have been that England were quite fortunate to play the West Indies on that surface, mm. actually, and, and on that ground because people like Gale are looking to hit over deep mid-wicket quite yeah. a lot and deep backward square, and it's it's, it's huge, Hampshire <laughs> Bowl. So, you know, you pack it with seamers who are bowling good bounces. What I would say, though, to you, Phil, is did you honestly think a year ago that we'd be talking about England searing pace bowling in the World Cup? Because weren't we all just talking about how, well, a bit like Kevin Keegan, you score 360, we'll score 361. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we're giving up on the bowlers as being an yeah, attacking and threat. And, and now they're taking wickets. And, and even even just three or four months ago, you know, Archer's remained this kind of enigma for the last 18 months in English cricket, sure. But with Mark Wood, we didn't know what kind of cricketer Mark Wood was three or four months ago. Went on that Lions tour with the, his remodelled run-up, which has been done to death, as we well know. Had that marvellous experience at St Lucia, bowled pretty well in the ODIs after that, and has been everything that we've always dreamt that Mark Wood could be in this tournament. And today was, he nailed it today, you know, six and a half overs, three for 18, proper wickets as well. And he was accurate. He's bowled the quickest ball in the tournament, 153 Ks, I think, which is what, 94? 
And he's now taken seven wickets at an average of 17, which is actually a lower arch, uh, average than Archer, which yeah. shows mm. just how well he's going. And going at under fives as well, which is incredible for a, for an express quick. You'd accept him going at sixes, really. Yeah. They, and they, he's going at a full, full they, run and over fever. Between them, they took six for 48 in 15 overs. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And a third ODI in a row for Mark Wood, which is an achievement in itself, let alone how well he's bowling. And it was touch and go whether he was going to play. Well, I, I, as it that's always why I is. thought Moment coming today. I just thought Wood would definitely not play today because there was a suggestion that he was going to have that late fitness test. I thought, why risk him really at this stage? But they, as we talked about, this game was a, was a crucial crucial game for him. Yeah. And Morgan it, wanted his best side out there. Exactly that. It crept up on us, the significance of this game. I think in part because of what's played out in the last 72 hours with a lot of rain around and so on. New Zealand grabbing that point, arguably, yeah, they could have beaten India, sure, but likelihood is that India would have turned them over. And so, as you said earlier, Dan, a few people have been, a few respected figures have been saying, well, whoever were to have won this game today would have been very much in the box seat to have qualified for the semis and whoever would have lost would have been facing an uphill struggle. So it was a big game. Well, Phil, you messaged me with um, uncharacteristic concern, I think, this, this morning, saying... Yeah, I was feeling a what, bit loose this what, morning. What if England lose this? They might not make the semi-finals. It sounds silly now. me, yeah. It sounds silly now because well. they've absolutely strolled it. But if they had lost today, they'd have probably had to win two of their last three games against India, New Zealand and, and, Australia. and Australia, which is that... Under yeah. pressure, Which, that's that's a real tough it, tough task. It is. I mean, let's be clear that that we started the tournament thinking that England were favourites along with India. So you're sort of expecting them to win two of those three games because yeah. they're at home and they've got a really good record at home. But again, the pressure of playing those sides, if you get the bad rub of the green, if you anything could go, then suddenly they become those knockout games that everyone's really frightened about, and the whole group format goes out the window because now you're looking at these games as is hugely significant now yep. England would have been aware of that and today was one of those games it sort of almost felt like it's a knockout I mean I, I think for West Indies that's a calamitous result and it's a, a kind of a shame for the tournament as well because the West Indies have been superb in this tournament they've just really enthralled they should have beaten Australia I'm so annoyed they didn't mm. uh, I was there at that game mm. and uh, the South African rained off South game. African, that's, that's gutting for the tournament because South Africa yeah. essentially gone South so Africa, you want West Indies South to win that game and stay in the mix which they probably would have done I mean South Africa lost both openers already yeah exactly but I mean that said if they win all of their remaining games and they can do that look if, if see, people are going to contend to win the World Cup they've got to win games cricket haven't they so they can't look at this and they go oh, no it's India well we're not going to win that well you're gonna, if you're going to win the tournament you're going to have to yeah. beat the likes of India at some point they just need to play a bit better they were really hamstrung today by Andre Russell I think because he came into the game unfit so he batted frenetically even by his standards that even was quite by, an extraordinary it innings, really was it? An ex- it was an extraordinary innings and then he bowled because they've gone into that he bounced that himself side out with, as the bowler didn't he, he bowled, bowled yeah. the bouncer best and then that's a and then that's a, had to leave yeah and, and the thing is if you're, if you're going into a game and you, you need five bowlers but one of your bowlers is so unfit that he's now limping off after two overs it's so sort of reeked of England football World Cups where Beckham and Ruth are still yeah. being sort of yeah. wheeled out when they're not really fit and we're all terrified of what's going to happen to them yeah. he's, a, he's a crucial part of that team and they don't need actually to play him because they've got enough talented players in the rest of the squad to have played they could have played Kemar Roach instead mm-hmm. for example I thought it was extraordinary they didn't play him Roach yeah yeah. he bowled well in the very brief 
yeah. uh, match against South Africa. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd much rather have him than Shannon Gabriel in a, in a one-day side. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, I was surprised you, by you, that. you can tell him he's dropped. <laughs> sure. uh, what, 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 was, what was your moment, Joey? Um, so mine was, I think, the only English bowler we haven't mentioned yet, possibly, Chris Wokes, who I thought he took some tap against Bangladesh. Uh, he looked kind of, he always looks very cool and collected, but against Bangladesh, he was losing his losing his mind a little bit. Oh, I giving away runs. Yeah, well, Ben, but Ben Stokes was bowling brilliantly at one end, Archer bowled brilliantly, and Wokes was the only bowler that kind of went the distance, yeah. really. So he took the new ball today, uh, obviously against Chris Gale, who's carted him around the Caribbean. Yeah. only a few months ago uh, and he just bowled a brilliant first over beat him with two absolute jaffers in that first over bowled a maiden in his second over clean bowls Evan Lewis uh, and just got England off to a really good start and I just think however well England's other bowlers are, are bowling as, as they are at the moment Wokes just showed that he still has a role that others don't quite feel and that he needs to still be taking that new ball He's got more wickets in the first 10 overs hasn't he in the, in the first power play than any other bowler since the last World Cup so there's this really weird thing where you've got a perception and reality problem with Wokes that you think of him as think, well he's really hittable well it doesn't actually bear out stats don't bear this it's out it's dogged him all his career he's, he's pretty He's inoffensive. He's a, he's a lovely character. He bowls what looks like a nice fancy length where you can just get on the front foot and lean into it. But time and time again, he's proved to be a lot more than that. And you're right. He's been England's most dependable seamer in ODI cricket for years. And he's now. also a lot more as a cricketer. I mean, he obviously he dropped a catch today, which was very unlike him. But he's usually got a very safe pair of hands in the deep. Uh, he came in at three, which I think we can all get oh. behind Chris Wokes as a temporary number three. That was absolutely. I mean, it was perfect. Jonathan Agnew on Test Bat Special argued, I think, actually semi-seriously last year when we were going on about the the opening slot in Test matches. Put Wokes there. There, there isn't anybody out there that's screaming that's, that's knocking the door down. His technique is fantastic. He's a really adaptable cricketer he's, he's tremendous and I was de- I was delighted that it worked out for him today because look when you're taking that many wickets at the top I think this World Cup has been characterised by the sides that have lost wickets early losing a match yeah. the sides that don't don't and England's dominance actually in, in in one day cricket for the last four years you look at their opening partnership the partnership between Bairstow and Roy averages in the 60s oh it's phenomenal I mean it's, it's it actually is. it's and taking holes new, new standards and they it? take wickets in the first 10 overs because Wokes is mostly doing that taking of wickets in the first 10 overs so, and now the, we've got Archer as well which exactly yeah. so you've got this gigantic advantage with, with that dynamic going on with English cricket at the moment and we spend a lot of time in 50 over cricket thinking about all the other overs in between but really it sort of does come down to being in the 65 for none after 10 it's really hard to stop them getting to 350 yeah and if the oppo are 42 for two, it's really hard for them to get to 300. Yeah. Can I just ask about, uh, talking of these middle overs uh, that we obsess over unnecessarily, what about Adil Rashid, who's not yet had the tournament that his form over the last few years would have would have suggested he would have had, but of course he's running with this shoulder problem. Not for 60 today, didn't bowl badly, but wasn't especially threatening. Root probably looked like the more likely of the two spinners today. Yeah. Are we are we a wee bit concerned? Well, for, if he if Wokes had held the catch at David yeah, Wicker, we'd have said it was genius stuff from him because, I mean, in the end, it, it didn't really matter. I'm not massively concerned because I think he creates chances. There were a couple of times today he beat the bat uh, Nicholas Puran and, Bo- yeah. and Shimon Hetmeyer he turns his googly, his googly more than his leggy doesn't he gorgeous you think also yeah. the Rashid of old when Rashid was bowling really badly as we've seen him in test cricket at times and previously in one day cricket he would be bowling rank full tosses or long hops and that's not really what's happening he's been a lot of the balls that are getting hit for six aren't especially bad balls that's yep. just the opposition yep. going after him so it doesn't seem to me like he's kind of falling apart it just looks like he hasn't he's been a bit unlucky as we said with the drop catch today and, and perhaps hasn't quite got the zip perhaps from 
from that. Look, he's a nailed. He's a nailed uncertainty in the team, isn't he? I mean, I think if you're leaving out a spinner. You're leaving out Moeen Ali until, actually, these two injuries. Because Moeen sort of comes back in mm-hmm. as a batsman. As a batsman, doesn't he? Yeah. It also gives you another bowling option. Because England have only got one spare batsman, James Vince. Quite rightly, too, at the start of the tournament, you think you want to have lots of bowling backup, which they have, and like, you know, Curran, for example. But you don't think, well, I need loads of batting backup because they're not going to get injured. What do they actually do? Mm-hmm. So there, there will be, they'll be intriguing. Will they say to themselves, Vince and Moeen is sufficient backup for the two batsmen? Or will they think, if we get bad prognosis with Roy, do we need to go back to the well and get ourselves another batsman from somewhere? And if so, who the hell is that? All is forgiven. Well, why not? I mean... It'd be intriguing. Well, Joe Denley well, comes back in from the. Did from the you know it's, the... it would be it would be like a twist on the A B de Villiers thing, wouldn't it? Mm. You know, mm. would you would you be reversing a decision to get because who who honestly is the next batting cab off the rank? Is it what is it Ben Duckett? What is it? I mean, I think it Joe probably, Clark. What is it? Well, I, Joe, think, Joe I, think Joe, I think Joe Denley would be Joe Denley. Back, back in the mix oh. for what he actually does rather than his leg spin. Which but it's intriguing because Hales is the more established player, as we well know. They said. Hales is not finished as an England cricketer. Now, it might have been a line that they trotted out to cover their backs. But hopefully there isn't an issue here. But if, you know, Roy has properly done his hamstring, or if Morgan, God forbid, has really done his back, then it does it does bring this delicate moral equation back no into chance, play. Though. No chance as Alex Hales going back into this World Cup squad. That oh, would be funny. I think I think the contrarian in me would quite like to see it more than that more than that we're British we are pragmatists and we're hypocrites Mm. (laughs) you know we can say one thing one day and then we can just reverse our decision we don't have a problem with this I mean just you've only you've only got to take a look at you know the leadership election that's taking well, place right now. Well, I was right waiting now. for that. We can see Around Westminster us. from here. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, lying, dissembling, and hypocrisy is not a problem for the English. And I don't know. I mean, what, what's best for English cricket? You know, we, we, we'll talk about this. I'm sure about the lack of fan engagement and, and visibility. England need to do really, really well in this tournament don't you just put a couple of those principles aside in favour of another one John Stuart Mill the great utilitarian uh, would have Liberty. said you've got to pick Alex Hales it all comes down who, more, who are you Joe Harmon to argue with John Stuart Mill <laughs> the, the, the pleasure pain principle <laughs> on the Wisdom Daily <laughs> yeah look it comes down to Owen right. Morgan doesn't it Owen Morgan runs the show Owen Morgan but if he's gone he doesn't want if he's it. not there anymore good point the <laughs> What would Joss Butler Joss do? Joss would bring Hales Joss, back. Joss, Joss goes wrong. He's, he's a yeah. pragmatist and he's a consequentialist, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we've done probably 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour already. No mention of Joe Root, who made his 16. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who? He did, yeah. He because he just does it, doesn't he? And he does it with such such inevitability that you can almost forget that it's happened. 200s already in the tournament. Top run scorer so far in the tournament. Even I'm not going to mention the bet that I put on. No, I'm not going to mention that. Even by his standards, he looks in pretty good form, doesn't he? It was... It's just exquisite today. How'd you get him out? I don't know. Um, well, you, the way you get him out is, is you bowl a vicious... Uh, break back that goes through the gate and takes his inside edge or it might knock him on the back pad oh just that that's that's, that's it but that <laughs> happens once every two or three months uh, and then he remembers that he's he's mortal and then he kind of sorts that out and then he creams you through mid-wicket when you try and do it again uh, he is there's such I don't know such optimism when he bats you know the, the sun is always shining when Joe Root bats it's always the start of summer it's, all, it's, it's a month that is forever May whenever Joe Root bats today was right up there with him, all right. The, the game situation, maybe you know, it was limited pressure, of course, and Bearstow helped, and they got got away. But uh, after the first. 
45 minutes of the innings. But he was already, as he is, 20 not out of 15 balls anyway within the first 10 minutes. Uh, they did some studies of his technique. I can't add any more to what everybody already knows, but he is... We are blessed to have him. He is the best that I've ever seen he in, is, in, in an England kit. He is in complete control of his art with a white ball more so than a red ball because he is a little bit vulnerable to falling over with a red ball when it moves around and the red ball, especially in England, does. But the white ball's not really moving around. The only thing that defeats Joe Root is Joe Root when he gets out. It's because there's a, you can see the sudden lapse of concentration when it happens and you can see his infuriation with it. The way I always think you can tell a really, really good batsman is if they get out totally different ways every time. Yeah. And with all due respect to James Vince, who gets out the same way every time. Joe Root could get out, pulling at deep mid-wicket. He can get out, not lazily, but just slightly thoughtlessly you guiding the ball. You can run him out sometimes. You can run him out, the quarter-backward <laughs> point. It's like, where has that dismissal come from? It's not like he's been worked out. Mm. I, I think part of the reason innings. why he's so brilliant in 50-over cricket is because it's it's finite. You know when, you know yeah. when it's done. Yeah. And you can plan it, and it's quite strategic and quite regimented. But when you're that good and you're playing a test match, and you're 70 not out at lunch, and you're you know, 95 in the afternoon, and you're that good. You think, well, I'll just keep batting till Wednesday then, after the game's yeah. finished, and I'll just be 712 not out because I'm that good. <laughs> and it's almost it's almost like the, 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 the kind of the infinite nature of test cricket might even get in the way. I don't know. But there is also... Just come up with that. <laughs> nonsense. There's but also there another one. Yeah. I've got, I've got more, <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's the more nonsense view. There's, a, there's another crucial difference in that he captains the test team and he doesn't captain this 50 over team. I think that's a very good point. And there is a there's a kind of relaxed nature about him in 50 over cricket, which perhaps used to be true in test cricket, but I don't think necessarily is now. He walks out with a massive grin on his face, uh, as you say. I think um, you're spot on, Joe. I think, I think there's that. a lot of pressure there. Obviously, there is. That's you, a better theory than mine. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can... <laughs> You can have that. You've, you've defeated both of us there. And, and, and actually, I do think it's entirely crucial because he just looks totally... Some people talk about the zone, but he arrives in the zone, doesn't he? That's most what's people, extraordinary. Most people get in the zone. Even, he arrives in the zone. Even the greats. Yeah, Ponting was vulnerable for five Oh, minutes. yeah. Think of that, for that over against... Flintoff, yeah. when you could see the staccato movements in 2005. Even you don't get race. that with Root. He starts Lara as like well. he needs to go on. Lara as well. First 20 minutes or so, you'd have, you know, you'd get him early. He'd waft a bit. Root, as I think Stokes said it last week, Root starts his innings 20 not out. Yeah. It's it's astonishing. And everybody who's ever played the, the game at any level downward from him, it shakes their head at it. And it's, Stokes says that with a hint of envy as well, doesn't he? Because he's not the best starter. Yeah. You can imagine you, how, how you, do that. If you're, watch, if you're thinking about this at home, wondering what we're talking about, it's very simple. You watch how, Sto how late Root plays his first 10 balls, and you look at how late people play their first, everyone else plays their first 10 balls. Everyone else, understandably, goes at the ball, feels for the ball, looks for the ball. Root is playing it at the last possible minute. He's knocking it into the ground, down through backward points, third man for a single. He's turning it at the face of his back, going deep into his crease and working into the onside for a single. From the moment he gets to the crease, m normal human beings are, are sort of planted, aren't they? Yep. And they're mm. planted forward because yep. they want to feel bat on ball. And his evolution as an ODI player, he's top three or four batsmen in the world in ODI cricket without a doubt. His average is 52 um, he runs at a strike rate just under 90 as well uh, better than Chris Gale as we've yeah said better, yeah. better than KP yeah. yeah yeah and during his evolution he's actually scaled it back a little bit I think because he, he, he will see Butler do his things in the nets 
And it's hard not to be charmed by that. And there was a period when, when Root was trying to nail down his T20 spot and he went to the BBL and he didn't do great. And he's obviously very keen to be the Don in all three formats. But in ODI cricket now, there's a kind of self-containment within this exquisite technique as well. He's not trying anything too fancy. You don't need to when you can score off every ball and every bad ball, you just, just strum it away for four. It's the perfect combination. He is, he is a genius. Well, I'm glad you reminded me to talk about Joe Root. That would have been an embarrassing oversight <laughs> if, we, if we hadn't hadn't done that. What, what was it? 90, 94, 94 balls, uh, 11 fours, a couple of wickets. A couple of wickets. Can you remember any particular shot? Do you know what? Mm. He, he, played, he played one pull shot. I know exactly where, where you're coming from. He played one pull shot early on, which was dismissive. I think it was off Gabriel, where he just kind of rolled the wrist. And it's not a natural shot for Root. He's not a natural puller. Just rolled the wrists on it, stayed stayed side on, and you just thought, oh, right, he's going to get another 100. It was a beautiful oh, cover right, drive yeah. soon after Bairstow got out as well. But, but he, um, he, he does yeah. that before he has his breakfast, doesn't he? It's, it's, it's why I love him, but by the same token, it's also why you know people like Joss Butler are going to be the ones that everyone talks about. Because you remember the absurd shots that Joss Butler plays, like at, like at the Hampshire Bowl against Pakistan off the back foot for mm. six. The beautiful thing about Root is that he's got 100 off 94 balls. You haven't even noticed. Both of them got 100 off 86 balls in the 1981 Ashes, and nobody stopped talking about it for 25 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're going to call it a day on that match. But while we, oh. have, while we have done here, um, we're going to return to conversation topic that Phil and I had we were chatting about the other day which was this Michael Holding uh, commentary uh, business so Holding effectively argued that he was being censored after criticising the umpires in Australia's match against the West Indies I believe the ICC have reportedly since apologised to Holding for have that they? apparently ah. but anyway since we've got Dan here yes. a commentator for the yes. BBC um, have you ever felt muzzled have you ever felt censored like you can't say what you think uh, absolutely not and in fact the reason why I kind of got into commentary in the first place was because I felt listening to other people's commentaries that they were being muzzled uh, usually by their own individual boards you would see that I mean with that I don't need to make it completely obvious to you but you would hear commentary from certain countries and you would think this has turned into East German TV from 1985 I mean <laughs> <laughs> it was just absurd propaganda. The, the sheer superhuman nature of a wicketkeeper simply taking a very simple catch behind the stumps, which meant that he and all of his fellow countrymen were vastly superior to all other humankind, mm. um, w- was disturbing and annoying. And, and I think uh, what happened here was regrettable. I think the ICC are right to apologise for it because it's better for the ICC if people engage fully in the commentaries that they see. Of course. You know, what you want is people to believe that the product that they're watching and hearing is authentic. And when they do, they're very happy with it. DRS is overseen by the ICC and is used in this competition. It is a method for pointing out umpiring howlers. We saw one today when Kumar Dharmasena saw the most blatant LBW that you will ever see in your life. You alluded to it earlier, Phil, from Mark Wood. And then it was put up on the cameras because England said, hang on a minute, that looks out. And we established that Kumar Dharmasena had made an astounding howler. Now, if you're commentating at that point and you don't say, that is a very poor decision from Dharmasena, then you're not doing your job. You are dissembling 
to your audience. They see through you and they think that your product is rubbish. I'm really delighted the ICC have realised that that is not a good way of engaging with fans. I get extremely bored by the constant talk about referees in football. I hated the constant talk about umpires in cricket before we had neutral umpires. But when you're commentating, you have to commentate what you see in front of you. And if you do that, and you do that honestly, then people will believe that what they're watching is real. The moment you don't is the moment people think, well, this is just phony. And you don't you don't want it to be phony. You want it to be you you want people to believe and you want you, you want them to believe that it's authentic. And I think it's great that Michael Holding pushed back yeah. in the first place. And I think it's great that the ICC have listened to what he had to say. I'm delighted to say that on the BBC we we are the worst we can be accused of is sudden moments of well no there's many things we can be accused of the BBC but in terms of this you get occasional moments of impartiality which you desperately try to avoid but in, impartiality is one thing and then there's glossing over the glaringly obvious that's right in front of you they're two hugely different things aren't they I think yeah, listeners, I mean, listeners very, understand impartiality yeah. I think but it's very it's very hard when it, look some, someone said this to me before that isn't the pu- purpose of all commentary that you have to just sit there and commentate the game you can't entirely because if you cover the England team and if you're Sunil Gavaskar covering the Indian team or whoever covering any team you spend time with the players those players all year round and if you if you don't develop a desire for them to do well, then you're not you're not a human being. You've got no empathy. You've got no you're not really a real person. You obviously <laughs> try to dampen that down because you realise that there's a load of different people watching. But you know you you you, you know what I mean. I mean you can't Absolutely. you can't just you can't just turn that on and off. Um, especially if you're playing against Australia, it's it's very very easy to be impartial with England to play against New Zealand or Sri Lanka it's or the West Bills, Indies. Isn't it? I mean you've been growing up watching England yeah, cricket. You can't, you're inbuilt. You can't lose you're inbuilt. There is a bit of that, but really the most, actually the most difficult thing is your interaction with the players and the people around that goes on 12 months of a year, because you only actually see the Australian team once every two years. But you are interviewing and chatting and talking to all the England players, so you're bound to develop a kind of a rapport. What the ICC has realised, I think, is that you know, no one has a rapport with the ICC, for, for obvious reasons, they're the world's governing body. So commentators shouldn't be there to say that all, all employees of the ICC are lawless and that's where it sort of went wrong to start with and I like to think that that issue has been sorted out. Uh, yeah and I think they'd actually get a huge more, much more respect if, if these flaws are acknowledged from from fans as well. I think this is exactly how it needs to play out. So we might be holding a bit of debt here, I think, to, to not only respond, but possibly also leak the email. I don't know how those emails got out there. He obviously decided this was a, was a serious point well, that needed, it to was, be, needed to be known by the I public. I don't know whether it's him. I don't know whether it's... Look, all commentators want to be allowed to say what they see. They don't want to have constraints on what they see. So whether it was him, whether it was somebody else who's also a commentator, whether he talked about it, showed it, somebody, who, who knows? This is all speculation. Mercifully, I mean, you know, if someone is not smart enough to realise that if you tell a commentator not to do something, then inevitably they're going to push back. Someone like Michael Holding Indeed, yeah. does not need that this gig. Yeah, he. He is a massively respected figure in sport cricket broadcasting. It was not a very smart thing to do to send him the email in the first place because he's not going to take that from anyone because he doesn't need to. And however it then got out, I have no idea how it did, but it inevitably was going to. And so it was just, you know... it was, it wasn't it wasn't clever Phil have you ever felt muzzled on the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast <laughs> I, mean, I was just looking at Dharma Cena's name if you were to abbreviate it it would be DRS <laughs> 
That's you, brilliant. Do you remember Bangladesh, don't you? you remember the and we won't even edit the bit out. That's, that's yeah. a demonstration yeah. of the lack yeah. of muzzling that goes on this in this show. We're, li- we're liberated. We just call yeah. it as we see it. Independent voice of cricket. We're mavericks. We're cowboys out there. Um, Bangladesh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, first, I think it was first test. Um, 11 times his uh, decisions went to DRS. Yeah. Eight times they were overturned. I think oh, Moeen awful, Ali, he it? gave yeah. out three times and then didn't give out when he was out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He had a shocker. But I've got to tell you, I was talking to Charles Dagnan about this yesterday. In the last two years, he's been really good. He's been one of the better umpires on the surface. He was umpire of the year. Maybe it's just bad when we see him. Brilliant players have shocking series. Why can't an umpire have a shocking series? Maybe umpiring is difficult. And let's not forget that one of the the things that Michael Holding was annoyed about was the court behind that was given when the ball hit the stump. Now, in fairness, I'm sorry, Mikey, but in fairness to Kubar Darmasena, someone bowls at 94 miles per hour. The distance between the bat and the stump is so short. You hear a Woody sound. sound that's yeah. out, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> um, we'd all given it, and yeah. we? we'd all, oh, given, we'd all, it. We would all given it. Yeah, you know, and then we went zing bell controversy. ICC, what are you doing there? So the poor old ICC are coming in for an awful lot of stick because this has not been a very clever email that's been sent out by someone, and their bails don't come off, and it, and it's raining. That's all the ICC to blame. And suddenly I'm turning into a, I'm an ICC propagandist. You're just another stooge. <laughs> I'm just another stooge. Join the club. What but have I do, we done? But, I, feel, but yeah. I do genuinely feel a little bit sorry for them because I don't think that this is a kind of story which is human error and it starts with human error of the umpires and then there's a human error of the email mm. and actually I'd like to think that the human error has been corrected. Well mm. hopefully we found a happy resolution to that. We'll see how the commentary goes for the rest of the tournament. Um, I think we're going to call it a day there. We folks. have to we're don't gonna, we? Yeah. We, we're, we're, on the clock. we're not allowed. Yeah. This is Yeah this is where we're muzzled. Yeah. <laughs> this is the muzzling <laughs> process right Just get here. going. Um, <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to be taking a breather but Phil will be here looking back on a double header first up Australia v Sri Lanka here I'm, at the I'm Oval. playing first I'm playing first during yep. the day I okay. shouldn't announce that what? should I I should pretend that I'm watching both games studiously Probably. no I'm playing Probably. I'm playing tomorrow what time just during the day mate 45 overs uh, and, then, and then coming in here coming over here yeah coming and over coming here over doing here, a podcast doing a podcast and yeah, then playing a big game mate we're top of the league folk. thank you very much we're top of the league oh, at the moment. Well done, I got that's... 60 odd last week did We've you? already done but that. On, you, you've already been done listening that on this to show. the shows, right? So I you have remember when I mentioned that last yeah, week. Yeah, it does. Some of that bit, I just yeah. switched off to sure. yeah, yeah, for some reason. Anyway, and I'm then, doing it with Sam Perry tomorrow and then night. Also, I was going to say South Africa v. Great Afghanistan. Sam Perry. South Africa v. Afghanistan. Yeah, joined by Sam Perry uh, from the Aussie Smash It podcast, The Grade Cricketer. Yep. This has been the Wisdom Cricket. Oh, hang on. I haven't thanked Dan. Thank you very much for coming That's on, Dan. Of you, yeah. Appreciate <laughs> that a lot. Sorry I could tell you appreciate it so much. But he doesn't want to thank me. Indeed, I'm sorry about that, Dan. Um, and you're most welcome to come back. Lo- I'd love to. I'd love to after <laughs> that. Hearing ri- more after that ringing gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast Smooth. in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Podcast Network.